Hello. Welcome to this episode of Dialogue Out Loud. My name is Teresa Wellborn. I am the new poetry editor for Dialogue, and it is my joy to uh, introduce uh, James Dewey, um, a poet who has uh, published recently in Dialogue. Um, he's had his poetry as well um, appear in various journals, um, together also with Robbie, Robbie Taggart. James manages at Come Follow Me Poetry on Instagram, uh, where they publish weekly poems in Dialogue with Sacred Texts. Originally, he is from Boise, Idaho, and currently is living in Bogota, Colombia. Um, James, welcome. Um, thank you so much, what else you, Thank you. Uh, what else would you like to share with our readers about yourself? Uh, just by way of introduction, I think, um, I mean, you said I'm from Boise. That's the most important thing. Uh, my wife gets tired of hearing it. I say it's the greatest city in the United States. <laughs> uh, but I haven't lived there for a really long time. I've spent most of my adult life uh, living overseas, and um, I think that's I think that's really shaped who I am. I'm currently living in in Colombia because I work at the U.S. Embassy here as a as a, a deputy spokesperson. Spokesperson, I should say that my views that I'll express here do not necessarily represent those of the U.S. government. <laughs> but What's but I, I have I have had a yeah yeah um, I've had a I've had a really wonderful. That's a weird way to say it, but I've had a really wonderful career. I've I've been surprised. I came into the foreign service not really sure of what it meant to be uh, a foreign service officer, and I've I've lived all over the world, um, both as a student, as a missionary, um, and now as a foreign service officer for about fifteen years. And uh, it's uh, it's a big part of I think why and how I see the world. And um, yeah, so we're currently here in Colombia, and we love it. But if, uh, if you have never been to Colombia, I invite you to come. It's an amazing place and, uh, and a place that's really opened up in the last five years. Awesome. It is on my bucket list. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, okay. So part of uh, kind of getting into more of your writing, would you mind sharing with us and, and reading your poem, uh, Heavy Seeds? Could you share that with us? I'd be happy to. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, uh, this poem is called Heavy Seeds, and it starts with the... Uh, uh, part of a verse from Alma 2419 in the Book of Mormon. It says, They buried the weapons of war for peace. Bury seeds these with covenant grit, shrill sounds on our lips as we circle the pit, clank seeds clanging as we cry file by, big plant praying, I will not, nor I, nor will I. Plead seeds these to finally sleep right, crush hushing their anger with lullaby rites, sprinkle alone with tears, raise muddy worms, months molder into years as the new crop germs, until one day from black soil build this, heavy seeds these become a sapling which an orchard of forest, ripe green golden shade, to bud blossom bear one fruit, means saved. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. When I read this poem for the first time, the echoes of Gerard Manley Hopkins are are very evident. So um, tell us about some of your influences and what specifically influ influenced this poem. Um, I think I am stunned and sort of without speech when you say that because, of course, uh, Hopkins is one of my heroes. And uh, I've always been amazed by, by his work. Um, 
I, I had the privilege of taking a class from Kim Johnson years ago at BYU. And uh, I think she only increased my love uh, for Hopkins. And um, one, of the, one of the pleasures, I think, of reading Hopkins is not just the spiritual connectivity that he evokes constantly, but also the connectivity with the physical world. And this just the challenge of reading his words out loud. Um, sometimes I've, I've practiced reading his words. Like I'll read his, one of his poems, I'll read it three or four times in a row, just trying to learn how to read it <laughs> uh, because of the, the amount of complexity and, and his rhythms. So sure. well, I, that's, I, I can't, can't think of a higher compliment. Oh. In terms of other people that I really admire, I, I love, um, I had a, a real man crush on on Lee Young Lee for years. I, I love his work. Um, I remember when I was at BYU, he came to BYU and I followed him around like to every event that he gave at BYU and had him personally sign like all copies in his book that I had at the time. <laughs> um, I love his focus on on love and his focus on on I don't know. There's something transcendental I think about his his work. Um, I also really love uh, Langston Hughes. I especially admire the rhythms that, um, um, and just the way he he speaks so often in a plain voice. That's that's very clear, not easy to to access. Uh, but I feel like there's always multiple layers there that are worth repeating over and over again. And likewise, I love Lucille Clifton. Um, oh, Clifton, yes. How about me, and yet how her poems are and just wow. how, the pack right yeah yeah just a little bit and it goes and it goes and it keeps going so but there's i have people blessing the boats on my wall right here. oh really <laughs> blessing the boats i love that Bam. one i know it's super popular but no, uh, cool. she's like are do you like annie dillard are you familiar with her writing i'm not familiar with annie dillard um so she wrote a pilgrim at tinker creek and um so it, this might be more in your other your other poem, uh, Flicker. That one has the ants in it. Yes. So yeah, the other poem you had published in dialogue. I have it right here. Um, you, there's a perspective shift, and it reminds me a lot of what Annie Dillard does. Um, she her she actually wrote Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. It's a nonfiction narrative um, from in the 1970s. I think in 1975 it was published, and I came around to it maybe 15 years ago. Um, but she has a way of just capturing nature. And you'd, you'd mentioned the word transcendental. She, she kind of just elevates every, right? She bring, so she takes you from the depths of like the soil of the earth, right? The, the grit that, that Hopkins refers to. And then she somehow elevates it right to this next sphere. And she does that so well. Um, so I recommend um, to our readers as well. Uh, yeah. Pilgrim at Tinker Creek is, is uh, a holy, holy writing as well. Yeah mundane but then the holy kind of in the in the the interstices the where the intersect right the uh, intersection of mundane with holy which i feel like you play with a little bit and then hopkins does you know different uh, writers that we admire i think that that intersection i i haven't read annie dillard look forward to reading her but i think that that is the intersection that i find over and over again uh fascinates me is the connection the connection between like you said, the, the mundane and the holy, or or the mundane and the unique, or the um, just the daily. I, I remember I listened to Billy Collins once speak, and I I, I really admire Billy Collins, and um, 
And I sometimes also sort of envy his life. I'm like, how did how did this man figure out how to get paid to just write these poems over and over again? <laughs> but I remember him talking about um, anal or what did he say? Admiring the or little bits of fluff in our lives. Um, I'm not doing it justice the way he said it, um, but but I do think there's something really powerful about about the daily. Actually, um, someone closer to home, maybe in terms of what I think of as home for me and home culture and home uh, religion, I, I think of Darlene Young's poems. I think she does an amazing job of that, of investigating the daily and the weekly and the monthly and the mundane and then, you know, and then pulling out the holy strands uh, in, that, in that carpet. For sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so, uh, oh, what about any uh, other favorite contemporary poets? Any other contemporaries that you... And there's also some people I kind of I have. A, the way I practice poetry is every day I try to read a few poems. And so... Um, and definitely before I write, I always try to read other people. And so like I, I I'm constantly sort of picking up new new names. Um, um one of the one of the people I found myself reading recently, I'm gonna have to look her up on Instagram really quick. Um, but she's somebody who when I, as soon as I read her work, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to know more. Oh wow. Sani at City Gonzalez, you know her work? I don't. Mm -mm. I will have to look. Um, been really, really impressed with her work. Um, anyway, so always just always looking for new people. Sometimes I'm, I'm combing through um, just a journal online, like like uh, uh, like poetry or 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 really a number of different journals online. Just kind of looking for different poets, and when I find one that I like, I just will go ahead and read a few more poems, or or even get into a whole book or a poems by a particular. Cool, cool. Sorry, that's not a very satisfying yeah. answer. Great. Um, okay, so the, my next question: So you do some collaborative work, is that right? With you have um, collaboration with Robbie yeah. Taggart. Could you explain to us kind of that process? Um, uh, for yeah. those you of our readers that may not know, Robbie Taggart is associate professor. Of ancient scripture at BYU, uh, he has a PhD in theological uh, leadership. Uh, so Robbie and I met uh, a few years ago, um, and we started to correspond. And then, um, in the summer of 2022, I was going to stay here and work in Colombia all summer while my wife and my daughter went home to the United States. And I knew that their leaving was going to be hard uh, for me. Uh, it was going to be the longest that I had been apart from my family since since I married Shari, and uh, and 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 I I have a tendency uh, toward depression and anxiety, and um, I wrestled with that really in my whole adult life, and and so it was kind of like in Silver Linings Silver Linings playbook when they say like I need a plan, and that's how I was. I was like I need a plan before you go. Babe, I really need a plan. I need to figure out how I'm going to survive mentally and emotionally and spiritually while you're gone. And I said, maybe, maybe I'll read the whole book of Mormon again, you know, just start to finish, kind of ramrod through it and uh, and find some strength there. And um, she encouraged me to think more about um, my poetry. She said, well, what if what if instead of just reading the book of Mormon, what if you 
read the Book of Mormon, and as you were reading, you you wrote a poem, you know, for every chapter or for every story that your eye. And I liked that idea. I thought, oh, that's a really good idea. And I started doing it. I started writing poems about introduction to the Book of Mormon, about the three witnesses, about the eight witnesses. And I was sort of making my way through. And then she said, but what if you did, what if you followed Come Follow Me? And so at the time we were studying the Old Testament with the Come Follow Me uh, weekly lessons. And I was like, that's a good idea. She said, but you should publish them. You shouldn't just write them. You should publish them. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because at least for me, my process with poetry had always been like, maybe the initial poem would come quickly, but then it would sometimes be weeks or months or even years before I could say, this poem is done, you know, and, and really feel good about it being finished. Yeah. And so the idea that I would somehow write a poem and then publish it week to week to me sounded terrifying. And I remember thinking, well, well, maybe I'll think about like, What's, what we're going to study next year is New Testament. And maybe I could start writing the poems now so that I could start re- revising them and, and you know, wanting to, wanting to share perfect products. And she was like, no, you should just start now and start publishing now. And I was like, no, 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 this is a bad idea. <laughs> that, was really, that was really scary to me. And, um, but I've also learned over the years uh, that when I listen to my wife and do what she says, Basically, 99% of the time, my life gets better. And uh, oh. maybe it's 100%. I don't know. Maybe. Oh. maybe. And, I, and I kept thinking about what she was saying. I thought, I should do what she said. I should, I should give it a try. And so I called up Robbie and I was like, Robbie, what if, we, what if we tried to write a poem every week and publish it every week about whatever we're studying and come follow me? And it was so funny because Robbie was like, I'm already doing that. And I post it on Facebook and every week and nobody reads it. <laughs> And I said, oh, well, well, do you want to, do you want to do that with me? And he was like, of course, let's do it. He said, set it up, let's go. And uh, and so we started this little Instagram account and, um, and if you'll forgive me, I I guess this is a a long answer, but um, for me, the the very first time that I tried to do this, we were reading about Elijah. Um, It just happened to be that week where we were reading about Elijah and how he goes and sits underneath the broom tree and. He, he just wants to die. And then he goes on, you know, he, he moves on eventually. He has that incredible experience um, where the ravens feed him. And, and anyway, I remember sitting in our kitchen, which is just on the other side of this wall, and my wife and daughter are gone, and I'm trying to write this poem, and, and I'm just weeping as I'm imagining and, and thinking what it must have been like for Elijah. To be under that broom tree and to be disconsolate and to really just want to die. And um, and so the first line of the poem is, you know, meet me under the broom tree at the corner of Kant and Dunn. And, and I don't know. And then it just went on from there. And for me, it was such a powerful experience. And, and there's really that, that little Come Follow Me poetry uh, account has become, for me, this incredible um, impetus for for writing and practicing and confronting my own perfectionism, you know, like it it, ha- it is every week. It's a little terrifying to be like, I don't know what I'm going to write. I guess I got to read the scriptures. I guess I got to dig in that and, and try to find something I connect with, you know. And and then I'm I'm writing and I'm like, oh, that's no good, or you know. And and then sometimes it gets near the end of the week and I'm like, ah, I still don't have anything. I don't know what I'm going to publish and and. Um, 
But more often than not, it's it's also a really powerful spiritual practice uh, that draws me toward the Savior as I try to as I try to also listen to the guidance of the Spirit and say what what could I write about? And maybe even sometimes I go to God in prayer and say, God, is there a particular thing you want me to focus on this week? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a poem you want me to write? Is there a poem you want to give me? And that's been a really amazing thing. And then, of course, the community that we've started to build, which is a small community, but it's a really loving community. And I've had so many people write to me and write to Robbie, write to us on that and say, oh, thank you so much for this. You know, that changed the way I thought about this story. I've never thought about this story that way. And some of the poems are funny and a lot of the poems are are, are digesting the scriptures. Um, but it's been a really wonderful project for for us, and we we finished the Old Testament together, Robbie and I did, and then we've now we we've moved on into the New Testament, and uh, the last few weeks the letters of Paul have been killing me. It's been oh. it's been actually been the hardest part I think that I've done so far, um, oh. but but really meaningful, really meaningful, really great. I can't express enough gratitude to Robbie. Robbie's been. Like my biggest, my biggest cheerleader and my biggest friend in this in this whole process, besides my wife. And uh, I just feel like every week, Robbie's like, "What do you got this week?" You know, here's what I here's what I'm thinking. You know, and and what a blessing uh, in my life to have a friend like Robbie. Who, and then of course we've invited other poets to join. And so if there's anyone listening who has a poem and they're thinking about the scriptures that we're studying, and come follow me next week or the week after or whatever. Please please reach out to us. We'd love to publish your 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 thoughts as well. All right, a lot of gratitude then, huh, for collaborative efforts and and uh, co yeah. co poets. Um, I like that you you touched on how um, near you felt to Elijah in the writing of your poem of that poem, yeah, in particular. And it's interesting how um, over time how it was as writers of poetry and as of consumers, right, and and those that enjoy uh, reading poetry, how uh, poetry can be a form of worship, a form of prayer. Poetry for me is my temple. When I can't get to the temple or even to church service, I, I sit and read and write poetry. Um, and I understand in a, uh, many different ways, uh, mental health crises, mental health, uh, the, the deep, the, the year after year um, on ongoing issues that one or many individuals in, in a family may, may have. So that, that resonates very deeply with me. And um, kudos to you for each day, you know. <laughs> It's it can be a it's fight. Good. It is. It can definitely be a fight, and I do like what you mentioned each day because I just just try to do to do what Alcoholics Anonymous taught us long ago, which is to take it one day at a time. I do want to mention. Uh, I noticed that Greg Brooks was on this podcast uh, uh, a while back, and I love what what Greg says. He says um, every poem is a prompt. And so he he talks about on his website about how when you read I don't know him personally but I love I love his stuff and um, he talks about when you read a poem it can prompt another poem mm-hmm. and I feel that way when I when I approach the scriptures now that that when I when I read scripture that I use it as a prompt to to be in dialogue with with the prophets or with the the other the other people that I admire so much in the scriptures. And I think that that's the way I approach what you, you know, worship. I love that you mentioned the word worship. Sometimes when I'm sitting in a sacrament meeting and I hear someone start to give a talk or a testimony or even a prayer, I'll just write down things that they're saying. And it's poetry. It's, it's yeah. often a yeah. 
shocked oh, by how beautiful. Yeah, do you? I have, I have notebooks. I'm a note taker. It helps me stay awake. So I'm either yeah, trying yeah. to get hymn books or pews, or I, I sneak in poetry to church. <laughs> so I get uh -huh. the secrets out. But and I also yeah, take more yeah. of really uh, impactful statements and thoughts that I that come to me and that I hear over the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I remember. I remember distinctly being in a sacrament meeting at BYU years ago, and there was someone who stood up who was not a native speaker of English. And I remember she said something about how like chicken skin. She's like, I feel my 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 arm was like chicken skin, and I think she was talking about this thrill or this electricity she had felt as she felt the presence of God, and 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 maybe we would say goosebumps. But for some reason, when she said my arm was like chicken skin, for me that was like, wow, that's I that's totally fresh, <laughs> you know, the way she just expressed that, and that, and yeah, I think I think I find that over and over, and I really believe that that's what Zion is. Zion is is this is are these moments when people are starting to connect as they share as they share the, I mean, you could call it the poetry um, of their hearts or their souls or their minds the as prompted by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is is bringing out something true, something beautiful from them. And as they do that, it opens up the people around them. And all of a sudden there's there's these connections flowing. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, another question I have is, um, had poems come to you? Um, Ruth Stone, uh, the poet Ruth Stone, she once described her poetry writing process as voices coming to her um, whispering voices when she least expected it. And um, to me, it's in the realm of like the ineffable, the luminous, you know, these these little glints and, and kind of the, the these little um, moments where where heaven kind of reaches down and touches us, right? So um, would you say that there's a holy sense to your writing process? I, I guess you've touched on that actually, right? You, you've touched on how like this kind of like quiet moments, um, communing with God in a way, right? Like really feeling like your your pen is, or your, your thoughts are harder impacted by a greater hand than yeah. ours or? No, absolutely. But I feel like I got to turn the question back on you because I feel like there's more there and you started to share it. I want to hear more. So oh, is that God. how you experience it? Do you, do, oh. is that how you experience it? Do you feel like there's a voice that guides you or? Is it a second voice or is it the same voice that's, as you usually hear in your mind? Or It, it can be any of those. Um, I do feel like what we do have in common as poets is that um, I, I am a word, a word grabber, a word collector, and a phrase collector. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, with these iPhones, years ago, I started just a, a note. And that's for new poets, right? Maybe that's an idea that, that could start uh, people writing is... Um, any anytime you hear a, a, a strange turn of phrase, something unusual, or something piques your interest, then uh, making a note of it. Um, are you a fan of George Saunders? I don't know. George Saunders is a short story writer. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose my mind. He is so amazing. <laughs> but um, he touches on also. I, you know, I think my favorite writers and poets are those that touch in this luminous, uh, brilliant, ineffable space because I feel like yeah. so much of life, like. You know, we can be in the soil of life and the hard things, but then if we can right reach the heavens and and touch this luminosity, then I just feel like we have the spirit with us, and we, uh, no matter really what backgrounds we have or, or what color we are, are we LGBT? Like wherever we're living, like we can all def like you said, Zion. Like right, we all we all come to the Zion moment, uh, and I feel that like when I read your poetry, 
like I, I truly, <laughs> I, I feel that sense of um, enlargement of, you know, larger than myself and, and just astounding. <laughs> so um, I think what you said just now is, is beautiful. And I think that it's, it's definitely, definitely sounds like um, familiar to me. Like I definitely am always, I have my little notebook here right now and you can say I wrote down Annie Dillard and, and George Saunders. Um, but, but you know, I, I think that I'm always scribbling and I'm always trying to capture, uh, like you said, unique phrases or or images. And then sometimes I'll go back to my notebooks and I'll harvest. So maybe I'll sit down one day and I'll pull out an old notebook and I'll just just kind of skim through every page looking for uh, doodles. <laughs> and the doodles are often lead me to phrases and uh and then try to harvest those and turn them into poems another another thing that i love to do that is a way that i write is i say what's an occasion that's coming up that i want to celebrate with people and this has been really fun lately in my work because the state department is is um sort of known for for very um adjectiveless writing in a way you know very straightforward writing and um you kind of i think at least for me as i came into the state department and i learned like this is how you need to write, James. This is the kind of reporting that Washington wants to see. Um, and so in some ways I felt a little bit, um, I don't know, like a, like pushed away by the writing style uh, because there was not a desire. I felt like there was sort of this lack of um, of a desire for creativity, right? Just okay. the facts and get it get it clear. But I love, but I appreciated the, the, the concise and the clear nature of the writing, that that, that was so valued. And, but what I've found over the last couple of years is I've kind of let my freak flag fly a little bit more at work. And I'll say to my colleagues, like, hey, guess what? I wrote a poem about our meeting yesterday. And they'll be like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, remember that boring meeting we were in? I wrote a poem about it. And they're like, no, you didn't. That's crazy. And then I'll read it to them or I'll say, oh, remember that VIP visitor we had a few weeks ago? I wrote a poem about, you know, what she said. And that's been really fun to sort of like share. Um, and I've done it with my, my, my family. Sometimes like before Thanksgiving, I'll ask my mother-in-law like, Hey, can I read a poem that I wrote about Thanksgiving? Uh, you know, before our, we, we, we start our feast and, um, for birthdays or, or whatever it is, but there's something really fun about giving yourself a challenge. That's not just about like, I'm going to write a poem that I'm going to publish in a journal, but also that it's just like, I'm going to write a poem for my friends for Tuesday. You know, because mm-hmm. I know we're going to get together and have this meeting. So that's that's been a really fun thing too, is to think about poetry as as entertainment and poetry as sort of like uh, I don't know, getting your getting your co- colleagues to sort of relax for a minute and think yeah. about. That's cool. A lot of what we do is really serious in my in my line of work, and it's nice to be able to help people to to smile. Yeah, lighten up. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's see. Uh, what are some of the themes you find um, yourself visiting and revisiting in your poetry? Um, um, yeah, uh, various themes. So, like, I, I, I would say, like, yeah. nature, um, yeah, the holy. You know, we've touched on holy quite a bit. Um, perspective. I think um, what I should ask, I should ask what you mean by perspective, because the other ones I definitely immediately am like, yes, yeah. I'm not sure what you mean well, by perspective. Um, we talked about Annie Dillard, right? And so just the perspective, how 
So in your in your poem Flicker, published dialogue, um, there's a stanza like flickers in the field hunting for ants. We dance, looking from one meal to the next, and we pause to say grace. Um, so, but then earlier in the poem, I, I the movement I'm feeling is that we're talking about God and we're talking about ants. Like so, the pers- perspective shift that we have from yep. uh, the holy the the um, uh, holy realm to minute so that that perspective shift that happens that that i was i was feeling and then a lake a dark i love this line in that poem we swam in a dark lake of grace what (laughs) i read that i'm like i've got to make (laughs) i am just look along i'm not gonna miss you but i mean you're making me feel so good this is so kind of you but i um i have to admit that when i wrote that line i was like oh that's a good line (laughs) <laughs> but I think it's more than just a good line. The idea of swimming in a dark lake of grace for me in some ways is an expression of like a core belief. And I think that's those are always kind of the most the most most exciting moments um of of working on poetry, of reading poetry as well as writing poetry is when you find a line and it goes boom and it, it kind of just knocks you right to the core. Um I, my father-in-law is a person that I admire very much, both my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. And he talks about bathing in the pure love of Christ and how important it is that we regularly bathe in the pure love of Christ. And so I think I can imagine that somewhere in my subconscious, maybe that was coming partly from him. And also, you know, the poem at the start of that particular poem, I say, I say with, with gratitude to Adam S. Miller and Ryan W. Quinn, I think probably a lot of listeners are familiar with with Adam Miller and his his this idea of um, original grace. And um, I even wrote to Adam after I after I wrote this poem. And I was like, "Hey, man, I wrote this poem, and I'm going to dedicate it to you." <laughs> you know, I, is he a colleague of yours? No, no, no. I've I've never met him. I just I just wrote I just found his website and wrote wrote, wrote to him. Um, but I'm I would imagine that less people know my brother-in-law Ryan Quinn, and he's a professor as well at the University of Louisville, and oh, wow. As much as I was inspired by Adam's um, descriptions and, and treatises on grace, I also am really inspired by my brother-in-law, Ryan, who he teaches at the business school, and he's also taught seminary for years. And he has all these, these young people that he's worked with and now are missionaries. And so he's been writing these amazing letters to these missionaries in the field, and he kindly puts me on the BCC, and so I get to, I get to read his, his... And one of his letters was all about grace. And he starts with Adam Miller, and then he kind of was talking about it um, in a way that I just had never heard anyone speak about grace. Um, so yeah, I think all of that led, you know, my father-in-law saying what he said, and, and Adam Miller, and my brother-in-law, uh, in a dark lake of grace. I I want to to go back to that lake someday. Yeah, it's it's beautiful beautiful writing. Um, okay, another question or two. Um, in your opinion, how does LDS poetry fit into the larger landscape of literature, uh, more specifically in the realm of like the spiritual God-centric poetry, the holy holy writings? You know, I, it's funny because I've, I've I write a lot of I write a lot of poetry. So I, I mentioned that I read poems every day. I also write, try to write a poem every day, which they're not always like good you know they're not (laughs) 
the vast majority of them are not worth, you know, remembering or keeping or, but they're kind of, it's just, it's just, a, it's really healthy for me. It helps me feel clearer. Um, and it's always funny to see what tumbles out. And I think I say that partly because I don't really think of myself as a Latter-day Saint poet. I think of myself just as, as James. I do think of myself as a Latter-day Saint, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think of myself as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, as a believer in God. Um, and I admire other poets who take on the godly and the divine and, and, and wrestle in that space. But I also write about like, you know, like I had a poem published a couple years ago, it was a sonnet about a tuna fish sandwich, you know, and I don't really know that there was a lot of, uh, of direct, you know, wrestle with God in that poem, but it was a really fun poem to write, you know, about, about. I want to hear it <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to share it with you. And I think, so I, I think part of what I love about poetry is just how flexible it is, how. I, sometimes I've met people who are like, I don't like poetry. And in my, in my mind, I'm like, no, that's crazy. That's like saying you don't like music or like you don't like the world or something. Like maybe you just haven't visited, you know, your part of the world yet. You know, maybe you just haven't heard the type of music that you really are going to love yet. And that's how I feel about poetry. It's just like, maybe you just haven't heard the poem for you yet. And I remember when I was at BYU, I, I my friend Deja Early and I, set up this group called the Poetaster Project and we she heard, a friend of yours? She's, I, a, she's a dear friend. Her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. Okay. She's amazing. And and Deja I, I reviewed Deja. I reviewed one of her books for dialogue. Oh wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. That book was that gosh. Anyway, yeah. Her uh what's yeah. that? And she has a poem about a cockroach on the floor. It's amazing oh. how it, it's like cursing around her it's, she's a great writer. She I love is. her she's the best writer. writer. Pardon, but yeah. De- but that's but I met I met Deja the the first time I met Deja was at this little group that that we were starting, and so every week for a couple of years we would get together with other people who were interested in poetry and we would read poems, write poems, share them with each other. We would read poems by other people we admired, and then on Valentine's Day we would always do a, a poetry slam together. And I don't now now I can't remember why I mentioned all that. Well, what I was going to say is I think. Oh, at one of those poetry performances, a guy came up to me at the end and he was someone I knew from a different context. And I don't remember now what that was, but I remember he came up to me and he said, oh, I'm so glad that you were here because my girlfriend made me come and I don't like poetry and I didn't want to come, but I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to say yes to her. He's like, but I loved it. This was so fun. Like, this was so cool to listen to you guys read your poems about love. Some of them were funny and some were silly and some were serious and and um, that experience, I think, left me feeling like this desire to be, to be a cheerleader for poetry, you know, and, and to, and I think that's why I try to inject it into my work. Um, I have a, another friend whose name is Daniel, who, who also works at the State Department, and he, he does this so well, and he's the one really who inspired me. He said, James, why don't you bring more poetry into your work? And I remember I laughed. I was like, what are you talking about, Daniel? Like, you know where we work. We work at the State Department. Yeah. And I was like, no. He's like, no. He's like, I find I find that people love it when I share my thoughts with them. You know? And um, and I think that there's something about bringing your true self to, you know, to whatever you're doing that people feel they, they, 
they know when you're being authentic and they know authenticity. Yeah. Um, I, I like what I'm hearing you say, of course, I'm a fangirl of poetry. <laughs> um, it's interesting how uh, poetry kind of has had its moment, right? In, in the last uh, few years with a lot of, was it like Instagram poetry with like a younger generation? Um, I do think poetry is, uh, is a form of meditation. We talked about it being prayer or temple. Like it's, it's a very holy sphere that I think people feel like they have to be a card carrying member to be right to, to either get it or to have someone decipher it for them or translate it. Um, and for the people that, that don't, you know, that aren't into poetry, it's like, what, what, what would I say to them? You know, uh, one thought would be, I mean, poetry is just, it's, it's life changing. It's, it's the essence of, of, of everything that you can put into a, a thumbnail, right? You can put into a, a thimble, something so small and, and tangible, and yet it can be as encompassing as, as the universe. So uh, it's hard to be elegant with or eloquent with what I'm trying to say with that, just that um, it's, it's opened for me worlds of wonder and has not ceased to amaze me, you know, all these years. Um, okay, so... Same, same here. In here and I think if you don't mind, I'll, I want to say I want to respond to that because I think what you said is really true, and I think that I think that poetry right now has a more valuable place than maybe it ever has um, in recorded history because we're just inundated with so much information, so much noise. The purpose of poetry is to distill things down into the most important. You know, even if it's a sonnet about a tuna fish sandwich. It's it's crafting it down into what what are the most important elements of that tuna fish sandwich, right? That's worth recording and expressing, and and I don't know. There's and there's something quiet and meditative about poetry, and sometimes poetry. Sometimes the way I approach poetry is I just read it and I read it out loud. And sometimes I get to the end of it, and I'm like, I don't think I understood that at all. Let me try again. And then I go, oh, sorry, and then I go back and I and I read it again. And and I think for me that's also the connection back to scripture. And, and holy things is that that's often how holy things are, the holiest things, the most meaningful things. And whether or not your worldview like includes like a belief in a God, um, I think that, I think there is something about that. There's something about saying, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to read it again, or I'm going to slow down and I'm going to listen harder to this person in front of me because maybe what they're saying is holy. Or maybe who they are is holy, or maybe there's something about this moment that could be holy if I were willing to to slow down. So yeah. I like what you said a lot. I think that I think there's something there. I think it's timeless. And I think that it's it's needed. I think we need it right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, one last question. What are you currently reading? <laughs> um, Mary Poppins, which is great. <laughs> really okay. enjoying it. Uh um, I actually, I wrote a poem recently kind of based on something I was reading in Mary Poppins. Um, that it's not a, it's not a hard book to read, but it's a book that I had never really read. Um, uh, and I'm also reading, reading the princess Academy books with my daughter, which is really fun, but Mary Poppins I'm reading on my own. So. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm a man of many interests, a poet of a world, absolutely. a poet of the world. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so to wrap things up, I'd like to share a quote by, I mentioned George Saunders earlier, and I think he, he touches on luminosity and the soul, and um, I'd like, I think it really resonates with, um, with your writing, James. Um, so um, he says, uh, this is George Saunders, um, short story author, um, yes, he says, 
that luminous part of you that exists beyond personality, your soul, if you will, is as bright and shining as any that have ever been. Clear away everything that keeps you separate from the secret luminous place. Believe it exists. Come to know it better. Nurture it. Share its fruits tirelessly. And uh, James, I feel like you shared a portion with your luminosity with us today. Uh, grateful for you. Grateful for Thank your you, journey. Teresa. Uh, I'll you. I, you. I mean, thank you. <laughs> so great. I feel, I feel incredibly, incredibly honored and incredibly grateful uh, just for the opportunity. I'm so grateful to Dialogue for publishing these poems. Both of these poems are, 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 I've, like I said, I've written a lot of poems, but these two poems in particular are very precious to me personally um, and expressions of, of, of things that I feel and believe deeply. So I just can't say thank you enough for the, for the opportunity to talk with you today and to listen to you, and then also just to, to have those ones out there in the world in, in such a beautiful form. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, James Dewey. Thank you. Um, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out at dialoguejournal.com. We're also on social media, all the social media, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Thank you, and have a great day. Greetings, my name is Rebecca Deschweinitz and I'm thrilled to serve as a board member at the Dialogue Foundation and as one of the hosts of Dialogue Gospel Study. In each episode, which we record live the second and fourth Sunday of every month, we welcome esteemed speakers from a variety of backgrounds to share their insights and perspectives on the Come Follow Me lessons. Our aim is to spark meaningful conversations about the scriptures, to connect them to our personal experiences and to our understandings and explorations of the gospel. To stay in the loop with our upcoming lessons and this opportunity to engage with Mormon thought, culture, and belief, be sure to visit dialoguejournal.com and sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll receive updates and timely links to join our live stream lessons. Additionally, you can catch up on our past guests and episodes by subscribing to Dialogue Journal on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dialogue Podcast Network.